Ooh, here we go. It is uh, 5-18-2022 at 1 o'clock, 1300 for you military types. Uh, let's get into it because, man, it just continues to be more and more and more. All right. So um, first things first. Ooh, here we go. Whoops. I'm double dipping because you got to make sure that you're saying the right stuff. All right. So there was a report recently on John Deere. Um, John Deere was noted that it had a variety of vulnerabilities. Uh, the guys that reported on it were talking about, and I'm quoting here, the guy who's doing the research calls himself Sick Codes, which is a pretty cool handle. Australian researcher. Uh, latest findings at DEF CON in Las Vegas. So this is from August of last year. However, I'm going to make a point here in a second. You'll see. So the article didn't come out until recently. Uh, findings, a uh, combination of issues enabled root access to John Deere's operating center, a platform for monitoring and managing farm equipment. Now, if you're not a farm person or you've never lived and grew up on a farm, which I, I grew up on a ranch, but we had farm equipment because we did uh, pecan farming. Um, pecans fall from trees and you have to suck them up and then you whatever. But anyway, the point being, a lot of that has become automated. Um, my, my buddy that lived down the road from us, he had like 6,000 acres and it was all for cotton. Um, he runs the whole farm now with two people and it, everything is automated. Like he programs the stuff into the GPS of the tractor. The tractor does what it's doing and then it goes off and does tractor things. Now this guy is able to say like, look, we can get to these systems. Um, John Jackson, Robert Willis, vulnerability process, sick codes. I found this thing called Pega. Um, Peg is popular with a lot of businesses, which also means that there's probably other vulnerabilities that are worth considering there. Um, and of course, it wouldn't be a call without my dogs barking because that's just how it is. So Peg got access to chat access group portal, bug opened access to many other resources, including the security audit, which is great because then you can just remove yourself from being inside of the system. Uh, an Okta signing certificate, uh, even able to export the private key for John Deere's single sign-on SAML server. And I'll get to that in a second here. The issues were so bad in combination that sick codes in his group stopped probing John Deere's systems. And this can pretty much allow us to upload files to any user, log in as any user, upload wherever we want, download where we want, destroy any data, log in any third-party accounts, etc. We could literally do whatever the heck we wanted with anything we wanted on the John Deere Operations Center, period. Now, you're probably like, okay, well, so what? Farming stuff, blah, blah, blah. But Think about the implications of if you're able to control farming equipment, could you potentially wreck a crop? And still, you're probably like, well, okay, big deal. There's lots of farmers. Yeah, there's lots of farmers, but if you wreck crops and you do it in a systematic way, especially during different times of the year when it's either harvest or plant or whatever, you could potentially affect food and supply chain for a substantial amount of people in the United States or internationally. Um, so this is a legit problem. Now I'm going to go into the further piece of what I wanted to point out with this John Deere thing was, yeah, those were the guys doing research, but what about John Deere organizationally, the infrastructure side of that? So me being me doing what I do, I'm going off and poking around and finding some stuff that is right there in John Deere's backyard. So again, because Shodan is such an awesome tool, doing a little poking around and looking for some very specific things around John Deere. And I'm doing this because I care. And again, I'll notify these organizations and try and get them to fix them because that's what I try and do. But, you know, here we are. So looking at John Deere, uh, I see 94. And again, I'm doing some very specific queries to find these things within the context of John Deere. 
Uh, I see 94 um, potential things that are out there. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So there's an NTP server, which is time. Um, oh, SSH. So that's always good. SSH server with the key right there in front of me. Like I'm literally looking at the SSH key right now, the second. Which is not a good thing. Uh, SSL certificates, SSL certificates, NTP. And uh, there was a, something in here that was really worth looking at earlier was um, uh, some VPN creds. So there they are. So VPN. So again, in the context of what are you doing for the you know side of defense on John Deere, um, they're talking specifically about what you could do to manipulate tractors, which are I IoT, ICS, SCADA type devices, I guess you could call it because they're a critical infrastructure E. But what if I could go after the organization itself? Now, a lot of these, when you look at them, uh, the majority of them are actually in Brazil, 35 of those of the 94 that I'm looking at. Um, shop us John Deere, which uh, tells you where they are and um, those types of things. Again, more certs, uh, login creds, and more VPN stuff. One more click will provide a little bit more information here. Yep, so there you go. I mean, again, in a matter of a few minutes, um, not very difficult to get to something that's of value um, for the for John Deere. Uh, and this is not something that's inherent just to John Deere, but the point I'm trying to make here is 2021, which was a while ago, uh, we had publications at Black Cat where a researcher in Australia had said like, look, I can get to these things. Um, and they were getting to the tractors themselves through the command control software infrastructure side of it. And you'd think that there'd be a whole big massive push to go fix that. Here it is 2022 on May 18th. And I'm sitting here in my house and with the right queries, I'm able to get to VPN creds. I'm able to get to access creds. I can see time servers and things like that. And I can see certificates that are stored in the open. And that's for their infrastructure, for the corporate side. So what else could I get if I got further into that? So, I mean, the point that I'm trying to make is that it's uh, it's just apathy. I don't know who this CISO or who's in charge of John Deere, but somebody should be doing something about this. And they should be doing something more than what they're actively doing, in my opinion. Uh, there is a ransomware attack going on right now um, that is basically targeting the government of Costa Rica. Now, this one's interesting because this is about as overt an attack on a nation sort of national level that you could possibly see. Uh, and the, the gang, uh, according to Jonathan Gregg, who reported this on May 16th, 2022 from uh, Recorded Future, is threatening to overthrow the government of Costa Rica. So, that's pretty crazy. This ransomware gang is threatening to overthrow the government of Costa Rica unless they pay them $20 million. So let me give you some back, background here. The ransomware group behind an attack on several Costa Rican government ministries levied civil violent warnings against the country this weekend, raising the ransom to 20 million and threatening to overthrow the government of the new president. So they also did this during a time of political transition. So there was a new president coming in, old president going out, 
go after the system, cause maximum hate and discontent. In two messages posted to their leak site on Saturday, Saturday the Conti uh, ransomware gang, which has already leaked 97% of the 670 gigabytes they said they stole from their servers, claimed the U.S. government, our government, was sacrificing Costa Rica. Don't really understand that one because Costa Rica is not a U.S. thing per se. Uh, so that's a little bit interesting. And the country, uh, country's government should pay for the decryption keys to unlock their systems. The new government, which took office last week, so again, getting hit, this was well-coordinated, well-crafted, an attack that was using a whole lot of different vectors to cause this compromise. Uh, uh, the government was able to declare a state of emergency. They refused to pay the initial 10 million, which Kanji comes back and goes, well, it was 10 million, now it's 20 million. Um, the country has received assistance from officials in the US, Israel and other countries. And the U.S. has put a bounty out for anyone connected to Conti. But where is Conti? Conti's in Russia. So are we going to be able to get those folks? No. However, if there's ever been an instance where it was probably valid to go ahead and launch a rocket and blow somebody up, I would say this one pretty much meets the need. If you're an organization that is trying to actively overthrow a government, what's the requirement to make someone step up and go, you know what, that is basically a kinetic type of attack. You are possibly able to do this. Um, you're going to get in big trouble for whatever. And we've tried to uh, negotiate. We've tried to do the cyber things, whatever else. Here's a tomahawk inbound to your location. Because, oh, by the way, we know where you are. Um, you know, they, the Conti game says, why not just buy a key, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then this is the Conti gang. I appeal to every resident of Costa Rica, go to your government, organize rallies, so that they would pay us as soon as possible. If your current government cannot stabilize the situation, maybe it's worth changing it. In other words, overthrow your government. So that's crazy that this is a ransomware threat actor group that is literally telling a country, the people of a country to overthrow that government. Why? Because their tax systems are affected, their ability to collect uh, payments and information, whatever else is affected. They're, they're being extorted at a level that hasn't occurred yet. Um, they call Biden a terrorist, which, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, they're going to call government officials what they're going to call government officials. Just pay before it's too late. This is Conti again. Uh, your country was destroyed by two people, the gang, the ransomware gang, probably whoever's in charge. We are determined to overthrow the government by means of cyber attacks. So they're declaring their intent. They're saying flat out, we're coming to fuck you up, uh, that we're going to attack you. We've already shown you the strength and power you have introduced an emergency. So obviously there's some translation issues going on there, but country's still facing significant struggles, particularly because the damage was done to the finance ministry. So they targeted the most critical piece of that infrastructure because they know the dollars and cents is what makes everything work. Country was forced to tell residents last week that taxes need to be calculated by hand. Can you imagine your taxes by hand and paid in person at local banks? Hell no, as opposed to the digital system the country has previously used. Organizations affected by the attack include finance, science and ministry, labor and social security, social development, family allowances, National Meteorological Institute, Social Security Fund, and the inter-university headquarters of a town whose name I won't try and pronounce because I'll screw it up. I mean, like, what more could anyone possibly say they need in the context of... Uh, an attack that warrants somebody flinging one down range. Um, if you ask me, this is, this is as hard hitting as it possibly gets.
I mean, <laughs> what I loved it. I actually, well, I won't say I loved it, but I thought it was very applicable when a few years ago, I think it was when the Israelis were under attack from a terrorist group uh, and they knew where they were, that they just said, well, we're under cyber attack. This is bridging the gap between kinetic and cyber operations. Guess what? Here comes a missile building gone. People got what they should have got. I don't know how much longer we can let this stuff go on, but there's got to be some sort of, because guess what? If this works in Costa Rica, where do they go next? They go after another small another small government. We have lots of allies that we need to take care of. We need to help these people, but they're going to get smashed. And all we're going to be able to do is sit there and go, sorry, we can't help you right now. <clears throat> on top of that, the NSA recently issued a cybersecurity advisory on weaknesses that allow initial access, right? So let's talk about this. Weak security controls and practices routinely exploited for initial access. This is from Fort Meade from NSA, used to work there. Uh, bad coffee, too much air conditioning, and not enough windows, even though it looks like there's lots of windows on the outside of the building. There's there's not enough windows, uh, blah, blah, blah. Also include the best practices, which we all know about. These are best practices. None of this shit is new. Um, as long as these security holes exist, malicious cyber actors will continue to exploit them. Yes. Rob Joy said this. He's super, super cool guy. We encourage everyone to mitigate these weaknesses by implementing the recommended best practices. Now, they've been telling us about best practices for 20 years. I mean, we have every publication. We have all these compliance initiatives. We have all this other stuff out there. We should know that this is pretty much the thing. However, comma, let me read some of this. So what are those best practices? What is NSA, the super mega hacker people, that what do they say that we should do? <clears throat> Multi-factor authentication. Okay, sure, do that. Incorrectly applied privileges and permissions. That's something that should be fixed. Patch your software. Uh, user, use of vendor supplied default configurations and default logins and usernames and passwords should be removed. Remote services such as VPNs, lack sufficient controls, hmm. strong password policies are not implemented, cloud services are unprotected, open ports and misconfigured services are exposed to the internet, just like I just showed you with John Deere, failure to detect or block phishing attempts, poor endpoint detection response, mitigations, what's the number one mitigation that the fucking NSA says that we should do to deal with these issues? Adopt a zero trust security model. Bam, bam, bam. All right, I'm out. I did it. There we go. <clears throat> Limit the ability of a local administrator account. Duh. Control who has access to your data and services. Yes. Implementing credential hardening. Implement MFA. Ensure each application and system generates sufficient logs information, but you got to use the logs. Employ antivirus programs. If you're not employing antivirus programs, especially since they're free, you should walk off a bridge or something right now. Like this stuff is so basic. It's, it's troubling that this is even a point of conversation. Employ detection tools and search for vulnerabilities. Patch your shit. Maintain rigorous configuration management programs. <clears throat> like there it is. I, this should be biblical reference. So there's your joint cybersecurity advisory from the NSA, from the NCSE, from the Australians, from everybody else. Um, there you go. Go do those things like don't argue about it anymore. Don't let somebody tell you that those aren't things that need to be put in place. Go do those things, put them in place and make it a thing right now. The technology exists to do all this in a whole bunch of systems in a whole bunch of capabilities from a whole bunch of vendors or open source, depending on if you got the time and resources. But you need to go put this in place. 
that's all there is to it. This is super not complicated. Like, stop making this nuclear level complexity. And that's the NSA again. <clears throat> now, survey done by uh, Insurance Journal, which we'll get into insurance in a second, talks about businesses see cyber attack as biggest threat ahead of the pandemic and the economy. Right. Cyber attacks are now seen as the dominant risk for many businesses ahead of the pandemic, ahead of the pandemic, economic downturn, ahead of economic downturn, ahead of skill shortages, according to a report published by Hiscox, which whatever that is um, for its cyber readiness report. Hiscox found that businesses in seven out of eight countries see cyber as their biggest threat. Wonder why? Well, it's because everybody keeps getting their ass handed to them by all these other hacks. While one in five, 20 percent of business owners say their solvency was threatened by a cyber attack. We're just talking about an entire government being taken down by ransomware. You think businesses aren't going to fall into that same mix? Hiscox surveyed over 5,000 businesses in the U.S., U.K., Belgium, France, Germany, so international in the sixth year of its report. Uh, from a country perspective, only Irish firms relegated the cyber threat to the number two spot. So I don't know why the Irish did that, but hey, whatever. Uh, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> I won't go into all the numbers on that, but ransomware attacks, mid and small size firms targeted like the reports. Other key findings include, and these are what's really worth looking at. The frequency of cyber attacks increased by 12% last year with 48%, nearly half of businesses saying they suffered cyber attack in the past 12 months. Over 87% of businesses across the world see cyber as a number one threat to their financial health. So why would you argue CEOs and CIOs that you don't need more cyber strategy? There's a huge gulf in perception between those who have suffered an attack and those who have not. If you've never had your ass kicked, you're not afraid of getting your ass kicked. Like, let me just say that. So if you've never been punched in the face, you're not really scared of it because you don't know how much it freaking hurts. More than three out of five respondents agree their businesses were more vulnerable to an attack as a result of employees working from home because remote stuff, right? VPNs, et cetera, bad passwords. Those rose to 69% in companies who employed more than 250 people. Yes statistics, data, all that stuff matters. Average cybersecurity spending per company is up 60%. If it's up 60% and the attacks continue to get worse, doesn't that mean that we're not putting the right things in place to stop the fucking attacks? Like the math in this place doesn't just add up the way that we want it to. If you're not employing the right control strategically, you're not stopping the bad guys. The NSA just said, do these things. I would go back and look at those sort of problems in the space and go, yes, well, this is what we should do. It's a little bit frustrating. I'm sorry, I'm getting off my soapbox here. Um, let's go a little bit further down into researchers exposing the inner workings of the billion dollar wizard spider cyber crime gang. If you're not familiar with wizard spider, which I wasn't until I started reading through this, kind of interesting. The inner workings of a cyber criminal group known as Wizard Spider has been exposed, shedding light on its organizational structure and motivations. I think what's interesting is the organizational structure here. So most of Wizard Spider's efforts go into hacking European U.S. businesses with a special cracking tool used by some of their attackers to breach high value targets. Um, Prodaf said this. Some of the money they get is put back into the project to develop new tools and talents. That sounds like a real business. Like you do stuff, you make some profit, you put the profit back into the business, you get better. Wizard Spider, also known as Gold Blackburn, again, back to that thing I've said before about like, why do we have so many different names for so many different things, but whatever, is believed to operate out of Russia and refers to a financially motivated threat actor that's been linked to TrickBotNet. So there's TrickBot, okay. <clears throat> um, 
those operators are also colluding with Conti. So they're all tied together, right? They may all even be the same group for all we know. Uh, so let me get down to this other piece here. So typical attack, attack chains involve uh, the involving the group commence with spam campaigns. What's spam? Email that distribute malware such as Quackbot using them as launch pads to drop additional tools, including Cobalt Strike for lateral movement before executing the locking stuff. In addition to the average uh, leveraging wealth of utilities for credential theft and the reconnaissance, Wizard Spider is known to use an exploit tool that looks for log for uh, log for shell. So pretty common thing that's out there right now. Now they do hash cracking, whatever else. Uh, last year, Microsoft detailed a bizarre alert campaign, the bizarre call that employed a phony call center to lure unsuspecting victims into installing their systems. I can tell you that I got one of those weird emails or text or something, if I remember correctly, last year that said from a call center, uh, I think it was your bank needs to verify or validate your information and here's the link to go click. Now, just because I'm a tinfoil hat person, they didn't get me, but I do remember getting that. And I do remember actually my own mother getting something very similar to that. And she asked me, what do I do about this? And I said, don't click it, just delete it. Don't worry about it. Uh, but this would get lots of people. It's responsible for an enormous quantity of spam on hundreds of millions of devices, as well as concentrated data breaches and ransomware on high value targets. Again, I go back to the thing of if we're spending more money and attacks continue to get worse, but the same things keep working, doesn't that mean we're employing the wrong controls in the wrong space because we're not dealing with the reality of the threat? Like the data, the numbers, the insight, they're all indicated. Uh, the US, uh, the House has recently passed a pretty big group of bills. Um, House passes trio of Homeland Security bills. This is where it's a little bit kind of concerning, right? Uh, House on Monday evening passed three bipartisan Homeland Security bills, so good, at least they agreed on that, including one requiring the Department of Homeland Security to report to Congress on the roles and responsibilities of the department and each of its components for responding to cyber threats. Now the question is, why wasn't that in place before? We've got DHS that's involved in cyber, but we needed a bill to come in and actual legislation and time out of people's calendars to go off and say, you've got to, you've got to have a structured reporting criteria, problematic. The DHS Roles and Responsibilities in Cyberspace Act, H.R. 5658, introduced by Don Bacon from Nebraska, also directs DHS to explain its cyber incident response roles and responsibilities working within the federal government's response, lots of words, response there, to a cyber incident or working with the private sector entities that have been impacted. Uh, DHS to further clarify the department's components, responsibilities, and roles around incident response, blah, blah, blah. President's Cup's done, so, okay, non-profit security grant, but the, the, the thing is, does anybody else notice that there's a lot of organizations falling into the mismatch of cyber incident response and operations, whatever else, and we still are lacking some clarity and control on who does what, where, and we're only now in 2022 establishing line of responsibility and reporting criteria. Um, we got CISA, this DHS, CISA, NSA, like there's so many moving parts in here that it's becoming increasingly convoluted. And that's what's concerning to me personally. I wanted to talk about this one particular uh, attack that I hadn't thought of that um, is concerning because it is an ICS SCADA type deal. And it, I mean, it sounds like something out of a movie. So this is from uh, Adi Sababa, which is in Ethiopia. And I may have said that wrong, but it's in Ethiopia, um, the Adi standard. And it talks about, yeah, Adi Ababa. So excuse me. 
it talks about that there was an attack on uh, their critical infrastructure. Um, the, the attack was tagged as Operation Black Pyramid, or the Black Pyramid War. Um, basically, organizations didn't want this uh, growth to take place for the Ethiopian government. Uh, and it attacked their major financial institutions, 37,000 computers, which that doesn't sound like much, like most enterprise people, like 37,000 computers, whatever, big deal. That's a lot for what's going on in Ethiopia right now. No, but the thing is, they specifically targeted the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. So what were they doing with the dam? They were trying to exploit ICS and SCADA things within the dam itself to open the floodgates and do things with dam water. Um, who would have thought that that would be something that would go on in uh, Ethiopia and Africa? But that's a very real thing. Now, think about that, but also think about there's a real issue right now going on with uh, the Hoover Dam and the fact that the water is super low over there. So what if you're able to go there, manipulate the dam controls and drain the rest of Lake Mead? Now, it sounds a little far-fetched, and maybe it is, but it's potential. It's a problem. And if you do that, doesn't that cause cascading impacts to other systems? And I'm betting right now that if I went and did some poking around, I could find something that would provide me some sort of access to that type of system. Okay, lastly, I did say I was going to talk about cyber insurance because cyber insurance continues to stick in my craw. But here we go. I, there's those of us that predicted this a while ago. Cyber insurance raises rates amid a surge in costly hacks. Why? Because cyber insurance is just as evil as the rest of the insurance market, and they find ways to rip people off. Insurance markets reset after a ransomware boom, because ransomware is continuing to eat everybody's lunch, and the threat of a spillover in a war with Ukraine, which the war is taking place right now. Insurers significantly increased premiums for cyber coverage over the course of 2021 because of high-profile attacks. Direct written premiums collected by largest insurance carriers swelled by over 92% year over year. Woo! According to information submitted to the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. Analysts say the increase primarily reflects higher rates rather than insurers significantly expanding the amount of money they're willing to cover. So they're charging more. The amount of rate that is being generated in this market is quite astonishing. That's them saying that just in terms of the percentages that are out there. The price bumps helped the U.S. cyber insurance industry pare back its direct loss ratio, which that's something they always like to do, or the percentage of its income that it pays out to claimants to 65% in 2021 from a record of 72% in 2020, right? <clears throat> However, that figure is still far above 2019's direct loss ratio of 47.1. Cyber risk insurance premiums are being right-sized. Right-sized is the term that insurance people use to continue their grift. Um, after many years of softer market conditions, despite an evolution in cyber underwriting. Let's see. So here's the last part that's worth noting. If you, the organization, me, whatever, some organization cannot demonstrate baseline security controls, the vast majority of the marketplace cyber insurance marketplace is going to say no. In other words, they won't insure you. Why? Because it's risky. It's like you're driving down the road without a seatbelt on, or you don't have a driver's license, or you get drunk every Saturday and decide to go ride your motorcycle backwards down 66. Uh, uh, so, I mean, here's like proof that this just continues to get 
more painful and more problematic as it goes on and on. And it, it's not it's not that insurance inherently is a bad thing, but this, the fact is we're not seeing the problem. We're not dealing with the reality of Brett. Insurance has been sold to people as a way to deal with the issue. It's not. It just continues to help provide uh, dollars and cents to the bad guys that are engaged in the attacks. And here we are. So what's the incentive for anyone to stop? I mean, literally, we talked about at the beginning of this thing. I can go after an entire nation and not worry about any reprisal. No one's going to fling a tomahawk down range at me. So why not just do what I want to do? Um, $20 million, that's a lot of cheddar. Like, I'd be okay with that. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, it's been 30 minutes. It is 5-18-2022. Cyber is crazy interesting. I can't even imagine what's going to happen in a week from now. Above all, stay smart, stay safe, and stay secure. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.